0: You're either devoted to what you do and you're all in or you're not, you know. It's it's like people in property, we're all in, we're all in or we're not. We're just playing around the edges and I do everything all in.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Sham and in this episode, we're chatting to the Director of Renovate and Real Estate, Belinda Smith. She will share the risky details of being a police officer in the 80s. As well as this, she will delve into her passion for renovations and the story of how she made $40,000 in only one day. Renovate and real estate are on a mission to help 10,000 people reach financial independence through renovation and property investing. Smith has an unmatched passion for renovations and now she spends her day passing on her knowledge to others.
0: I teach people how to renovate right from scratch. And also if they're passionate about renovating and they're good at it, we can take people right through to become a renovation consultant, if that's what they wanna do for a living. At the moment, I don't have a paintbrush in my hand very often. At the moment, I spend most of my time coaching my guys. Um, That being said, I am about to do a renovation, but the older I get, the less I do hands-on DIY work and the more I call people in to do it. But yeah, my typical day is, um, you know, I get up, I look after myself, go to the gym quite often and hit the computer.
1: Smith's passion for renovation was influenced by her parents and was encouraged from a young age.
0: I grew up in Caring Bar South, which is very middle class of the Sutherland Shire, nice area. I had a really nice childhood mum and dad who loved me dearly, a twin brother. Um, never wanted for very much, but I also knew that there were kids at our school who lived down the road in a suburb called lily pilly and it was really they they were the wealthier kids on the waterfront and even back then i understood the difference between working for myself working uh, or, or living an easier life and i understand the difference between me and the other kids at the school um and like i said not that i wanted for much but i kind of recognized that there was that disparity my parents back in the day, were always doing stuff around their home. So I was also doing stuff around the home with them. I went to Caring Infants Primary and High School and um, just, yeah, just worked around the place with mum and dad a lot of weekends. I always did up my room. Mum would let me pick crazy colours or a crazy poster and convert my, home, my whole room to match a picture on the wall. It's the kind of stuff that I did growing up. Dad's saying... Yeah, dad's saying is it's handy being handy so I think I just always grew up thinking other people did that <laughs> and then, until I got a bit older and realized that a lot of people didn't.
1: Smith immersed herself in the school experience and although she enjoyed herself, she still noticed the difference between her and some classmates.
0: I did quite well at school. I was a bit of a nerd, a bit of a nerd, you know, prefect, sports captain, all that kind of stuff and I'm no different now. Um, I really, you know, I got along with everyone pretty well at school and I got along with all of the kids in our school, but there were, you know, there were differences, but that never seems to matter. When you're a kid, you're just doing your thing and particularly if you're playing a lot of sport and you're mixing with everybody was never really an issue. Um, But I just, you know, was really aware that, uh, for example, I went out with a girl when we were about five or six and her parents took me to a really expensive restaurant for dinner at five and six. At five and six, I'd never really been to an expensive restaurant for dinner. And I was so excited about getting dressed up and and going. It's just the differences between my families and others. And I always had dinner on the table. It's not like I was hungry, but it's just something, you know, I just always swore to myself that as an adult, I was never, ever going to live on a tight budget. It was just not how my life was going to be.
1: After finishing high school, Smith decided to take a working gap year.
0: I always wanted to be a teacher, I don't really know why, but you know, due due to my situation, I knew that it was going to be a struggle for me to put myself through university because mum and dad didn't have the funds. So I thought, what can I do for a year that I'm going to enjoy and is going to bring in some money or even a couple of years. And instead of traveling during the gap year, I decided to join the police force. And I stayed for 21 years, um, you know, so I, I really enjoyed those early years working shift work and uh, spending a lot of time down Cronulla Beach, you know, back in those days, it was early 80s. I remember being around for, all, you know, the Nettie Smith and all the drug squad stuff that was going on in the early 80s. I was pretty much in the thick of that in, in my early years in the police force and did some time in the undercover drug squad and some time in the mounted police Weirdly enough as well, probably because I had a love of horses growing up. So I've had, I don't know, I think it's boring because it's me, but I guess it probably sounds a bit colourful if, if you haven't done that. So my year, my, my fast year in, in the police force just to earn a little bit of money so I could go and do some teaching ended up being 21 years. I ended up <laughs> staying. Much to my mum. My mum used to have a heart attack every time I'd come home. She'd say, are you all right, dear? And I'd say, yes, I survived the shift, mum. So mum and dad always worried about me. My husband worried about me too. I I guess I've always been a bit of a risk taker in a lot of things and, and probably in property as well. So I was never really frightened for myself in the police in those early years. But I know that there are a lot of people relieved when I finally when I finally said that's it, you know, I'm out.
1: As well as the risk factor of working for the police, Smith also enjoyed the flexibility that came along with the job.
0: I have really fond memories of my time in the police force and I had a great because i got a good work ethic and so I always did my best wherever I went. I found that I was unrestricted. I could Swap from department to department, or I'd get asked to go and you know work for for the detectives for a little while, or I'd go and I'd do a surveillance squad for a little while, or um, so I really liked it. I liked having flexibility. I liked having freedom. I liked being on shift work, which did enable me to spend plenty of time on the beach, and also did enable me to spend plenty of time with a paintbrush in my hand as well. So it was so good for me in those those early years of my life.
1: The twenty years that Smith worked in the force also placed her in a lot of new and interesting situations. I think
0: that, in all honesty, I don't think anybody does time in the police force without having some um, exciting and fun things happen, some surprises. But um, you also come out the other end a little bit battered and bruised about humanity sometimes too. I, I came straight from this, you know, beautiful middle-class family, nothing special, into. The police in 1982, right in the thick of things, <laughs> where they were desperately trying to pull apart corruption and all that kind of stuff. And so I saw things that I'll never unsee. And I saw a different part of life that I didn't even knew didn't even know existed. I was so innocent straight from school into the police. And there were also hardly any women there. I remember in our district, in our sector, there were 137 guys, and there were 11 police women and it was unusual for two of us to be on the shift on a shift at the same time they just split us up a little bit and it was only the class before mine where p- police women were actually allowed to to be on the on the truck out there on the street before then it was just school lecturing and sexual assault cases so uh you know it was, there were good times in the 80s and and it I think it's it's a bit like me in property sometimes and sometimes in the things that I do even in the education space. It was a real we had to prove ourselves. It was a make it all make it all I was gonna say make it or die. That's a bit harsh, but I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've been, you know, I've been in armed hold-up situations, I've been in sieges and I've done all that sort of stuff. As I mean, if you spoke to any policeman or policewoman out there who did 21 years, yeah, some stuff goes down that's unpleasant, or stuff goes down that at the end of the shift you think, "Oh wow, that was exciting because I made it," but um, but also that was that was big, you know. And that's when we all go and have a drink together or something like that too.
1: Although Smith enjoyed being a policewoman, she made the choice to retire for her family.
0: I was married when I was to Mr. Mr. Renovator, I call him. My husband's a mechanic <laughs> by trade. We, I was going out with him. I was 18. He was 19. So we started going out together really young. i married at 22 and 23. Had ki- I had my first child when I was 27. So by the time I left the police force, it felt like or I felt like I was making I felt like I was making a selfish decision by going to work every day, that my drive to help the community was I was putting that ahead of my looking after my own family because I was putting myself at risk all the time doing the kind of work that I was doing. And I thought now, you know, things have changed a lot. I do have some young kids to consider. I think my parents have had enough time worrying about me and my husband (laughs) if I was late from work and you know they'd always be thinking what's happened so it was great for me i loved it i've got a lot of respect for everybody who is in the police and other emergency services i've got a lot of respect for the nurses over the last couple of years um, you know it's just if you are you're a giving person and so you just keep on giving but at some point i thought this is not cool anymore i actually went to a siege and I was stuck behind some bushes for hours and the guy was in the house with a shotgun we'd just gone there to do a drug raid we were just stuck for hours and hours and hours and it was at the end of that day I couldn't call anybody I couldn't get to a phone I didn't have a little mobile phone back then in my own pocket there was one amongst a few of us and uh I got got home, it was late when I got home. I mean, really, I'm, I mean, midnight late. My kids, I hadn't called anyone to pick my kids up from school. The headmaster was waiting with them. And some of my friends took the kids home. It was moments like those where I thought, oh, time out, Belinda, this is enough. This is no longer just you. You have got a young family and this, you know, you can't continue. So it was kind of like that.
1: While working as a police officer, Smith was picking up paintbrush and renovating in her spare time. Let's explore how this happened.
0: My husband's a mechanic by trade, really handy and very willing to learn. And he was working at Qantas at the time with a whole bunch of other tradies. And so they would share stories at night time or they'd ask each other questions about how to do things. And I'd go to work and I'd ask the tradies... A lot Of police or ex how to do things, and so we worked out how to do things. But the reason we did is because between us, we weren't on great incomes and we were trying to live and settle ourselves in the Sutherland Shire. And it's never been easy. I know it's hard now for everybody and hard for the kids, but in all truthfulness, it's never really been easy. So we started off in an old unit. I was oh 19 at the time I think we were were we married no it was before we were married we bought the unit rented it out for a little while then when we moved into it we renovated it and then we were in it for about 18 months we were trying to pay down the loan as much as we could at the same time with the renovation that we'd done to the place we sold it and we were able to go on to our next property which was a waterfront property at At Cornell on Botany Bay at Cornell.
1: This property in Cornell cost Smith and her husband about ninety-eight thousand, which was amazing for waterfront property.
0: Because I was in the mountains and because I loved horses, the first thing we did was get horses and a stables and and a fences up the backyard. We built that before we fixed the house. We'd bought an old house that was occupied by a bunch of bikies and druggies, so it was a mess. I said to my mother-in-law, we're going to fix this up too, and then she cried and (laughs) said, this one's beyond it. And I tended to believe her too, so we knocked it down and we built a new house. We built downstairs first. And then we finished upstairs at just every week, you know, every week we'd get our paycheck and we'd run down the shop and we'd buy a few more sheets of gyprock and nail them up or like between children. I remember doing cornices, <laughs> rushing to do cornices to get them finished in one of the rooms and I was probably 10 days overdue with one of my kids um, thinking, oh, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can only go into labour. That's what everybody was waiting for. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do the cornices. Um so yeah, we just did a lot of DIY because it meant that we could start small, add value to whatever we had, live in a nice environment when it was all freshly painted, there was new carpet and it was spotlessly clean, sell it and then go and do it again. And we actually stayed in that house on the waterfront at Cornell for a while and used the equity that we'd created in that to go on an investment journey. And uh, and and off we went, really.
1: We can see that Smith has always had a passion for creativity in renovations and this passion was constant throughout her investment journey.
0: I guess I was doing it as a kid when I was doing my bedroom with mom, you know, and then straight into marriage. So, I just I just went, I, just, I loved magazines, I love being creative, I love painting, I still love painting. I've got a business coach <laughs> who tells me he's going to ring me and go mad on me every time he sees me with a paintbrush in my hand now because it's not where my time's best spent. But... I'd, it just brings me joy. It's my happy place. I get excited. You know when you stir it in the and you're watching all the color. And I, I'm like, oh, like I get really excited. How dumb is that? I just love it. I just love color. I love paint. I love shades of white. I love seeing things all finished and new. I love the way they smell and they look. And um, yeah, I love styling things up. So it's just it's I'm doing what I really enjoy. Uh, And always have.
1: After purchasing her first investment properties, Smith's property journey exploded.
0: We just went from one thing to the next. We we did that unit at, at Cronulla and then we bought a new house. So we did a new build. I've done new builds as well and um we built that we built it ourselves alongside a builder so we learned so much about the trade by having this builder live he lived in his caravan at the back of our place so we built alongside him he was just that was a phenomenal experience then after that we stayed in that house for a little while and i remember watching oprah and robert kiyosaki was on talking about rich dad poor dad and i went and i bought that book i think it was about 2000 or 2001 got so excited and then after that, started to do some property courses. And then after that, those property courses, I, we learned this strategy where we could buy money back or buy, buy property back then with virtually no money down or almost no money down. And so we went nuts. We bought three in a town called Gloucester over the next 18 months or two years. And in that same period, we went to New Zealand and bought four properties over there. So some of those required work and others did not. Others we just rented out. And then um, from there, I've built another house up the street here and then we flipped that when it was new and now I'm in this house and this house, we're converting into two townhouses, two four-bedroom townhouses. So, we just kind of are always looking for opportunity and I think I've been lazy over the years. I've had plenty of years where I could have and should have done more.
1: Throughout her time investing into properties, Smith has been fortunate enough to never have a massive tragedy. But she has come across some smaller challenges.
0: Brent and I have never really had any disasters. You know, when you hear people have those renovation disasters, there are always, I think in any project, renovation or new build, there are always those moments where you hold your breath and you think, okay, this didn't go so, like, what do we do? You know, I've, I've ordered bench tops and they've come in a different shade and like we've all had that kind of stuff happen to us. But I, I just think that it's just having the ability to take a breath and and look to solutions and not to blame and not butt heads with the builder and not get into arguments and and desperately avoid court because that's just a waste of everyone's time and money and just keep moving through. But yeah, I've definitely had bench tops turn up and they've been the wrong shade and I've had the quiet little tantrum all on my own in the corner thought, okay, that just throws a few things out. Now what do I do? Okay, I'll have to go and get new splashback tiles or you can make things work. You really can. Um, but I think we've been blessed not to have any huge disasters. But we also, uh, like, a, yeah, one of my biggest regrets, I think, is not moving a little faster. I'm also fairly cautious sometimes sometimes. Um, I will do more and I'm more out there than my husband when it comes to investing. So we're always talking about what we should do next, what's our next right move. So I am a little bit of a risk taker but I, I, I won't risk at all, you know. There's always a plan B, always a plan B.
1: When looking for new opportunities, Smith always makes sure that they are within her risk profile.
0: Everything comes down to the numbers. It's so easy because I like to fix things up. So I get very attracted to properties that are run down. I could buy all of them. I get really excited. So I have to really be careful about not letting my emotions run away with me. And in the end, it always comes back to the numbers.
1: How the Smith makes sure that she's sticking to her signed budget for a build or renovation?
0: I just check in all the time. I think where people go wrong is that they fall in love with the property. They overcapitalize, just like you said. They make emotional decisions about what product They're going to put into that house fixtures and fittings and they don't check in enough. They think, oh, that just went over by a few hundred and that just went over by a few hundred. But I really love those taps and it's really important for me to get my favorite sink. And when they don't check in, all of a sudden they get too far down the rabbit hole and they've just blown an extra six or seven or $10,000 and all beyond that. And um, so I think just it's really important, and I do it and so does Hubby, keep our bills paid up to date. We keep right on top of our invoices and we make sure that we check in, particularly after every big space like a kitchen or a bathroom or when you've laid the floors, just keep checking your budget and um, set a certain budget for each room. And if you're starting to push it or some room's gone under, then you have to look at the remainder of your project and say, Okay, where am I going to pull it in? Where is that money going to come from? Otherwise, you just it, it can just blow out of proportion. And I also know that not every ugly house, when it's fixed up, ends in profit, ends up in a position of profit. So it's, you know, I think that's a fallacy where people think, I'm just going to paint this place and make it look prettier, and I'm going to make money on this property. And it's not, it's not the case in every, every deal.
1: Let's unpack what Smith means by not every fixed-up house ends up in a position of profit.
0: It sounds funny but last week, there was a property in Sydney. I was talking to a lady about renovating or whether she should renovate her own investment property in Sydney before she sells it. And uh, and it comes down to who is going to be buying that property. Is it going to be a developer? Is it going to be a young family? Is somebody else going to want to take on the renovation? And what is it worth right now? What, are the, what to... Um, in its unrenovated state and how does that compare to properties that have been highly renovated and have sold looking the ant's pants in that particular area and even better in that street. And we came to the conclusion that in her circumstances, it just wasn't worth doing up the place beyond a paint job, like just paint it up and put it to market. It was a bit of a train wreck so it's like don't take to market being an absolute train wreck. And we truly believe that the owners might be a young family, that when we did the figures on doing um, a development on that site, she was in the position to do a development. We started to do the figures in relation to doing, you know, two um, homes on that one block and the figures, it just wasn't worth it. There just wasn't enough profit margin in that particular area. So, in the end, numbers don't lie.
1: Looking away from the problems that can happen when working in property Let's hear about one of the Smith's aha moments.
0: I remember going to a town called Gloucester. Not that I'm suggesting everyone invest there. It's gone well in the last couple of years, but it was slow for a long time. But I just got to know that town really well and had an opportunity to buy a house, which I did. We were all, all set up, ready to go. Loans were ready. Um, I knew country real estate agent in that town at the time was looking after his own a little bit. So I had to push him really hard to put my offer in front of the vendors. The vendors accepted my offer, but I knew there were other people who just weren't quite ready financially. So I said to the real estate agent, if you wanted to on-sell this property to those other people, I'd be up for that. So I actually flipped that property at settlement, on settlement day, and made $40,000 profit in that one day, minus... Costs and tax and all that kind of stuff. But back at that time, I was in the police force, I was paying childcare and I dropped back to part time to do renovations. And I thought, holy cow, I think I just earned what I'm earning working all year um, without the difficulty of putting kids in childcare. Why aren't I doing this at a higher level full time? So that was a big aha moment. Like, I just got $40,000 in a day, you know, (laughs) like. Why aren't I doing this more often?
1: In our last conversation with Smith, we learned about the depth of her passion for renovations. Now, let's break down her steps to ensuring a profit.
0: I think that people aren't serious enough about renovating and I always just, I treat it like a business. Like I make sure I, I do take notice of the numbers and when I'm looking for a property, whether it's for myself to live in or an investment property for me or I'm helping somebody else look for a property, I always just, I think of the numbers, I pull the emotion out of it and I get really serious. It sounds, even when I'm styling a property to sell, I'll, I'll just think, okay, every ounce of effort I put into this property is going to be worth it for me because I'm going to get substantially more for the property if I present it at its best. So I treat it as a business. I'm not just like fluffing cushions cause I like the color. So that's number one. Um, number two, I'm always looking for opportunity beyond just a straight renovation flip or just, I just think, okay, is there a possibility to subdivide? Could we possibly put a granny flat on something? There's, it's just looking for opportunity beyond just buying a property. Um, I like to keep moving. I think that even looking back, I said to you, I had a couple of quiet years where I had some very lazy equity and should have been doing more. Um, but I guess I had kids playing sport, state sport, you know, you know, family, family, family. So I had a bit of that going on. But yeah, looking, uh, keeping up the momentum. Um, I think that everyone needs to understand that styling is so important and presenting a property at its best and that renovating is different now. The bar's been lifted and that a boring, bland, cookie-cutter, no-heart style renovation just because you're replacing old with new doesn't necessarily result in a property where buyers are going to fight for it. So I think we can do a little bit better than that nowadays and I think the market expects it, both buyers and people who are renting. So, I think that um, you know, really taking it up a notch matters. And um, and I think that you know being able to do it again and having a really good team around you of um, some somewhere where you can learn exactly what to do, but even beyond that, having a really good trade team makes it easier to go and repeat it. Once you've done one, it's once the the first one's the hardest, like anything we do in life, and then they get easier after that. So being able to repeat the process. It becomes easy, becomes easier.
1: Some major costs of renovations include the price of materials and hiring tradespeople. Smith shares her tips to keep costs to a minimum.
0: Definitely allow more time now to get a renovation done because it, you just won't have trades at your fingertips, depending on your location in Australia, for sure. But definitely allow a little bit more time, therefore a few more repayments to the bank if you're taking out finance to do that renovation. And yeah, definitely allow time for a, a product to arrive or be prepared to go to your plan B product, not be so fussy about you know having that one particular vanity or, oh my God, if I don't get those taps, I'm going to die you know, all of that kind of attitude. You just got to move straight to your plan B because your buyers don't notice. They don't know, they, they never really know what you had in your head. They just see what they're presented with and they won't know that your vanity, which looks nice, was your plan B, was your second choice. So being a little bit more flexible. And these, you know, this will pass. These times will pass. I mean, I've done Property investing and renovation back in the day, where the interest rates were 17.7%. So that passed. Everything passes. It was easy to buy. We could put in low offers. We'd have low offers on multiple properties and then just pick the one that we wanted to in the end. We could get all of our conditions met. That passed and now, you know, buyers are still fighting for property and it's just starting to come off a little bit now but who knows where that will go. So, all of these things are temporary and we just have to ebb and flow and understand that it's part of the game without getting too tangled up and stressed about it all.
1: Although it can be expensive, sometimes hiring tradespeople is necessary when renovating. This is something that Smith saw when her father was renovating but it hasn't held her back.
0: Dad actually bought a house, he, oh, it, must, it was in the 70s because I was little. God, it makes me sound old. Um, and dad, dad DIY renovated this old house about two suburbs away from where we lived and Mum and Dad, we were just over there weekend after weekend, I can remember. Now that was a case of doing too much DIY. Dad did everything himself, the tiling, replaced kitchens, carpet, the whole lot. Um, but I remember he flipped that house and made some significant income and that, that was a really good thing for them. Like I saw it, you know, and I was over there and just became very real that it was something that I could do and that my handy-willing new man in my life put, put down his surfboard for a little while and came and joined me on the on the tools and we were just really suited for it. But, yeah, dad, Dad and Mum... And mum still, mum at eighty-four has just came she came home the other day with a whole bunch of new tiles for her bathroom. So she's doing a renovation on a bathroom herself, no drama. She's organized the tilers and the plumbers and she's already chosen the tiles and and gorgeous stuff, by the way. Um, stuff that a twenty-five year old would choose or any family would be happy to have in their home. So it's just in my blood. It's in my blood.
1: The process of DIY can pose both mental and physical challenges, but for Smith the rewards are worth the efforts.
0: The reason why I like flipping a home is because you, go through, you do go through periods where you just think I'm tired, I'm physically tired, I'm mentally tired. The beauty of styling a property and walking through it and just breathing it in, like breathing in what you were able to create, really enjoying the space, being really proud of what you put together. Um, looking at the styling and, and the hunt for shopping. I, I enjoy all that kind of stuff too, you know, hunting for a bargain to put it all together. I think that means that the challenges seem to be more worthwhile. It makes it worthwhile. They're They're the rewards and those rewards come before the financial rewards. So yeah, the challenges are just being tired. And I find it really interesting when I speak to people and they say, oh, you know, I've got kids, so I couldn't possibly do a renovation and I think well hang on a minute I did night shift so did my husband we had three kids we were back and forth to New Zealand we were back and forth up the coast to these country towns to do our renos or just to even search for property and look and get on the ground like we were busy and it was tiring but it's also very very rewarding and I don't know what else can produce equity and income Like if we had have just gone to work and and every day and come home, we would have had nothing more than our own home right now, my husband and I, on my wage and his. It's only property that enables me to live in little Richie Rich Street that I live in at the moment. It's only property and it's only by getting something old and adding value to it or building something new and holding it or selling something and doing something better with that money. It's always like what's best and highest use of what I've got sitting around of if a property's not performing I really look at it and go okay should I hold on to it or is it time for this one to go and can I inject those funds into something that will perform so all of that you know I don't I'm not one of these buy and never never sell I think that if something's not working for you and you your money can make you more money if it's tipped into something else then have a crack
1: when facing the challenges of renovation Smith thinks that you just have to push through.
0: When people talk to me about, oh, you know, will I be able to do it? As I go, no, we don't call it exhausting. We don't call it hard work. We call it periods of discomfort. <laughs> you'll, you'll suffer periods of discomfort, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's it. I overcome it, push through. And and that's the truth, you know. People can push through. They're capable of far more than they think they are. and. They think of things so that they add up like a big mountain to climb. They really worry about things and they feel like there's this big mountain to climb and I just like to break things into chunk. You look at the mountain, you assess the mountain and then you forget about the mountain and you chunk things down and just bite off chunks at a time yeah. and uh, until you're through it. By the time you've climbed the mountain, you're at the top, you are tired, then you get to do whatever you like or nothing for a little while.
1: Smith has generously shared some great tips about renovations with us now. So let's hear about how she puts them into practice.
0: We bought this old house and we bought it a few years ago and we've just been sitting in it unrenovated, another good point. I never renovate until I'm ready to sell so it's really current when it hits the market um, but you know, looking for opportunities, this is a great big old seventies match, and It's worth about 3.7 right now. I'm going to cut it down the middle when I say I'm me, my husband and I, we, we are cutting it down the middle with a firewall. It already has two sets of stairs. What a blessing. One half is going to be townhouse one, one half is going to be townhouse two. So it's going to cost us just over a million dollars to do the renovation it, um, and I will DIY the second part because we can take our time in that. We'll shuffle down one end and stay there. So we'll do the other part. We want that done quite quickly. So that's when we'll get all the tradies in just to do that, to get it back on the market to rent. It should rent at around about $2,300 per week, which would be a nice income for us. And then we can just take our time and do the second part, depending on how it all goes. So the value increase will make probably a million dollars in profit from that renovation but we you know it's all relative if you if you're down in the $300,000 market that's fine but you're not going to make a million dollars off a $300,000 property so it's all relative so okay. this is yeah this i'm i'm busting to get started with this one
1: It sounds like Smith has taken on a huge and exciting project but how did she come up with the idea to split the house in half
0: It it was Look, honestly, it was a property brought to me off market. I saw the, no matter what, I just, I came home to my husband. He was at work and I said, we're buying this house. No matter what we do with it, we're going to make some money and we're going to enjoy living in the location. It's a beautiful street. So um, so we just, I just thought, I'm just going to grab this one and figure out what to do second, knowing that it was so well built, it had so much potential. And it wasn't until I was in it, living in it, that I really had A concept of how huge it was it's a huge house and then my dad said to me if you put that that house I talked about on the waterfront at Cornell that we built back in the 80s late 80s he said your house the one you're in is two of those and that was a four bedroom two living substantial house and he said this shell is two of those why don't you split it in half I said, you're a genius, Dad. <laughs> genius. So, um, yeah, that, it's kind of, you know, I was, I, it was after I was cleaning all day one day thinking, oh, I don't want to clean this house all the time. It's huge. I had a concept of how big it was and, and then we started to think about what we could do with the internal space, which will save us a lot of money on the renovation because the roof's there, the slabs there, the floor's there. We're just reconfiguring rooms and wow. students it all back.
1: Smith couldn't resist investing into this house because the build of it was exceptional.
0: Okay, so the block of land is a thousand square meters. The area of the house—I knew you were going to ask me that—fifty, I don't know, fifty-four squares or something like that. It's, it's big. It's—it's it's, okay. Picture a seventies house with the ceilings are three point four meters downstairs in one section. The lounge room upstairs is seven meters by ten. Like it's just empty, big, empty space, triple brick on the outside, double brick. Some walls, in, some walls internally are double brick, others are single, but everything's, if there's ever an explosion, come to my place. Tyrone, we're just not going to get blown up here. We'll be down in the basement. I'll take the coffee machine down there and we'll last for ages. Okay, so when I was walking through it with the real estate agent, there's arches everywhere. So we're thinking real Mediterranean 70s. That's what we're dealing with here. Um, I just thought uh, my husband came through and he just, I could see his excitement. He's a wall tapper. So he's tapping the walls (laughs) to see how solid everything is. He was so excited. This was so well built, not a crack. So we were buying that house. That's what, thats it's one of the first ones I've ever Proceeded with without doing a really detailed feasibility study because we just knew at at the condition of the house if this hit the market I'm pretty sure it would have gone for a couple of hundred thousand dollars more so we just jumped on it off market while when it was brought to us
1: Smith purchased this house in 2013 when it was worth 1.53 million dollars.
0: It's been a lot of natural growth to take it to 3.7. And all we did was we just painted it and put some new carpet in here and freshened it up a bit, didn't worry too much about it. I'm okay with living in an unrenovated house and so are the kids. And, um, yeah, so when we do it, we'll do it to rent out and, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be be in this one for a while.
1: We've heard about the success of Smith's journey. Now let's take a look at what resources she used to help achieve this success.
0: It's a changing point really when I heard Robert Kiyosaki because I'm like I saw mum do what they did. I knew what I wanted in life. I, we'd already done a couple of renovations at that point and then I thought put, the, put your foot on the accelerator sweetheart. That was a moment. So I read so many books. I went to free seminars and then we started to pay for seminars back in the day. Like, can I mention names? Oh, probably the first first couple. Rick Otten was one of the first ones we went to. We learned all about vendor financing. We also learned loads about how to negotiate on property and how to buy and how to negotiate on real estate commissions. We just started to learn the tricks of the trade. Then we started to do things better so our results were better and our profit margins were more. Um, Steve McKnight, Margaret Lomas, uh, Jan Summers like they're the they're the oldies but it's continued and and even now I'm I've just um joined in another property development group so I I just I'm I love to learn I I feel like I'm just an average girl but I think I'm bright but not smart does that make sense (laughs) so I don't know How do I I explain that? I just feel so average and ordinary but I try hard and I'm interested and I love it and I'm passionate and I just want to keep growing and learning because staying still bores me. It actually frightens me, frightens me to stay still and do nothing. My poor husband, God bless.
1: Smith loves to soak up as much information as possible which leads us into some controversial advice that she's been told.
0: And it's advice that some people say, you know, it's um, it's a bit controversial. I actually think don't stick to one strategy. I actually think that that's really been um, great for us. As Yeah, renovation is one of our strategies but we also like buy and holds. I love commercial property because of the returns. I just think don't stick to one strategy. Don't limit yourself to one thing. Get good at stuff and then expand your repertoire.
1: Here's some advice Smith would give herself 10 years ago.
0: It's going to be okay. don't worry so much don't hesitate just go flat out I would have I would have done probably more a few more deals I've seen how we've done with the deals that we have done and I've seen other people do really really well too and you know what it's like you wish you had that crystal ball well I'm I'm kind of looking back going Wow, I should have bought that property or you know, we should have just moved ahead. There was one that came up the other day, uh, an, a, a townhouse in Alexandria. My husband and I had the opportunity to buy for 225000 amongst others. But 225000 it was a big renovation. And he went, oh, God, have we got the energy for it? And I went, oh, we'll be really stretched doing this. But it's one of those properties that would be worth two point four or something now. So, we, yeah, one of those, you know, those we've had plenty of those moments along the way. And had I have had the crystal ball, yeah, sure, I would have moved faster at some of those moments and not done kind of one at a time. So, yeah.
1: Looking towards the opposite side of things, let's hear what Smith is planning for the future.
0: Well, not retiring because that's boring. Um, uh, I just, I'm all, I'm probably already at the, well, I am at the point where we feel very secure financially, which is really nice. Um, I will, I'm having a grandbaby in July, so I'm going to be Nan. Granny Smith, just like the apple or the kids say all the time, you're going to be a Granny Smith. Um, So I'm excited about that. And I think that I probably should wind it back just a little bit to spend a bit more time with family and mum and, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to life. Life is good.
1: So, Belinda, uh, you've shared an amazing story. You've, You've achieved so much great success. How much of it is due to intelligence, hard work and skill? And how much of it do you think has been due to luck?
0: I think some of it's luck, about 10%. I think skill, I, I don't know whether I'm any more skilled. I only use the tools that are available to me, which are available to everyone. I've just got a big engine. I'll just go. I just go like I'll just keep going and going and going and going. Whether I'm renovating, whether I'm doing, you know, my business now, whether I'm coaching students, like whatever I'm doing, I just go. I just get stuff done bit by bit. Not in any great style or fashion. I don't think I'm very organized in particular, but I just keep going and going.
1: Thank you to Belinda Smith, our guest on this episode of Property Investory.